The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. For Christmas, our family got the game Mousetrap. And in this game, you go around the board, you avoid the mousetrap, and you try to collect six pieces of cheese. If you get six pieces of cheese, you have won. And at first, we played the game over and over again, but we haven't played it for a while, because after a while, it got sort of pointless. After you got your pieces of cheese, now what? And that's how most of life feels. I've got my degree, now what? I've got my job. Now what? I've got my house. Now what? So our question today is this. What would Jesus say to the high achiever? Welcome again to our February talks. In this month, we're asking this question. What would Jesus say? And each week, we look at a different person that Jesus meets in the Bible. We ask, what would Jesus say to this person? And what would Jesus say to me today? And this comes in the form of a 20-minute talk from me now followed by some question and answer from you guys. And today, Jesus meets a high achiever. And our question is this, what will Jesus say to the high achiever? Because a man comes up to Jesus, and this guy is a high achiever. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to Jesus, and he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, well, you know the commandments. And then Jesus Jesus then just rattles off the commandments like bullet points. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man declared, all these I have done since I was a boy. This man is a high achiever. He has done everything that his society, that his family, and that his religion asks him to do. If he was around today, he would look something like this. But more than that, we find out in other parts of the Bible, this man was also young. He was also rich. And he was also powerful. He was young and successful. Like the HSC student has just topped the state. He was rich and young, like a university student could take a whole gap year in Europe. And he was also powerful, like a CEO of a Fortune 100 company. But we also find out he is restless. He's looking for something more. Now, this is the part of the story I just don't get. This man has done everything. This man has everything. How can he be so restless? Or to find out, we need to hear the three things that Jesus tells this man and the three things that Jesus tells us today. The number one thing is this. Achievements, well, they can leave us empty. In the story we read this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to Jesus and he fell on his knees before him. He asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's looking for something more. Whatever this life is giving him, it's not enough. He wants something more. He wants eternal life. 
When I wake up in the morning, I have my first cup of coffee. And it gives me this buzz that fills my body. At 10 in the morning, I have another cup of coffee. This time the buzz isn't so intense. In the afternoon, we have a staff meeting and I have another cup of coffee. This time there's no buzz. Well, what's going on? Well, as you know, my body has built up tolerance towards the coffee. I'm recalibrating to each cup of coffee as if it's a new norm. And so I need more and more and more coffee, but it delivers less and less each time. And achievements are like cups of coffee. Achievements ask us for more achievements, but they deliver less and less each time. They leave us feeling empty. They give us a blur feeling. Now, Friedrich Nietzsche was a famous philosopher. Philosophers don't use the word blur. They use big words. So Friedrich Nietzsche describes it as the melancholy of all things accomplished. Once we find what we're looking for, we find uh, melancholy instead. This is one of my favourite photos. It shows a time when Australia used to be good at rugby. And it's Nick Farr-Jones, David Campisi, holding up the Rugby World Cup. They have just beaten every other country in the world in rugby. And this is as high as you can get in rugby. Nick Farr-Jones, captain of his own country, winning the Rugby World Cup at Twickenham in London, the home of rugby, in front of the Queen. And a BBC commentator later asked Nick Farr-Jones, how did that feel when you held the cup up high? And Nick Farr-Jones said, I felt a blur feeling. I felt melancholy. As if, is this it? Is this what we work for? I thought there would be something more. Jill Stark is an Australian writer, and she just came out with this book, Happy Never After. And it describes her experience where she put out a previous book and it became a bestseller and she was an Australian success and that high spiralled her into a depression. And apparently this is very common in authors because they have a big project. They spend years and years and years working on this book. Finally, bang, the book is published. It goes public. It's a success. It's a bestseller. And the author feels like, oh... Is that it? I thought there will be something more. I'm the same person I was yesterday. And that's the problem with achievements. They leave us empty. They leave us happy never after. The second problem with achievements is this. We are trapped by our achievements. Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. And Jesus said to him, Well, one thing you lack. Go Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The man can't do it. He is trapped by his wealth. He's trapped by his achievements. He's trapped by his lifestyle. Now, when I was a junior doctor, I used to work in the hospitals by night, and play rugby by day. Doctor by night, rugby by day. Doctor by night, and it was unsustainable. The lifestyle was unsustainable, but I had to keep on doing it because every time I turn up to work as a doctor, people will ask, how was the rugby? I thought, this is who I am. I am nobody without rugby. But it got even worse because one day I turn up with a black eye and everyone goes, 
whoa, you got a black eye from rugby. And I thought, oh no, now I have to play rugby and get a black eye every game. I'm nobody without a black eye. Because if you turn up without a black eye, people go, oh, what happened? How come there's no black eye today? But then it got worse because one day I turned up with two black eyes. Everyone's going, whoa, two black eyes. I thought, this is who I am. I have to have two black eyes. I'm nobody without two black eyes because if you turn up with one black eye, people go, oh, what happened? How come only one black eye today? I'm nobody without my two black eyes. I became trapped in this lifestyle. We have family friends and they have a daughter and she used to come ducks, number one in her year, in a very private, elite high school, and the pressure to keep on coming number one broke her. And they had to change schools just so she could start again and just be a normal, ordinary person. See, she had to come number one. It became who she was. She couldn't come second or third in a year. You and I would be happy with second or third, but for her, that was a failure. She had to be number one. She was nobody without being number one. We can be trapped by our achievements. We might be trapped in our need for a degree. Maybe we have to have the three-bedroom house. We're trapped by our lifestyle. We're nobody without our achievements. Well, what's the way forward? Well, this brings us to the third thing that Jesus says, and it's this. Jesus offers the ultimate achievement. Jesus looked at the man, and he loved him. And Jesus said to him, well... One thing you lack. This is the one achievement you lack. Go, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have, this is the ultimate achievement, you will have treasure in heaven. Now, Chinese people are funny because their houses are usually so clean. Chinese people have white carpet. Chinese people wrap their furniture in plastic so they don't get dirty. They wrap the remote control in plastic so it doesn't get dirty. That's a bit I don't get. I didn't know there's a resale value for your remote control, but there must be. And then they make you take your shoes off before you can come in. So Chinese people, they want things very clean and tidy. They don't like dirt. But then you go to one of their restaurants, and it's anything but clean. You think, what is going on? Because in a Chinese culture, when you go to a Chinese restaurant, it's not about the tablecloths. It's not about the decor. It's not about the color scheme. It's about the, the food. That's right. Decor, tablecloths, color scheme, they're good things. They're important. But this is the main prize. I don't want to be spending my money on tablecloths. I want my money to go to the food. And to say with life, what is the main prize in life? Now, achievements are good. Achievements are important. Achievements are useful, but they're not the main prize. What is the main prize in life? Well, to answer this, Robert Waldinger gives his TED Talk. Robert Waldinger is a Harvard psychiatrist, and this is the most watched TED Talk of all time. And he asks this question, what makes a good life? And Harvard did this study where they traced over 70 men over a period of more than 70 years and they found this. What makes a good life? It didn't matter whether you had a million dollars or not. It didn't matter whether you owned a house or not. It didn't matter whether you're a CEO or not. 
What did matter was this, the quality of our relationships. If we had good human relationships, we would be more happy and more healthy. And so the Robert Waldinger approvingly quotes of Mark Twain, who says this, there isn't time, so brief is life for bickerings. Like, get over it. There's only time for loving, but even then, just for an instant. So it comes down to this. The secret to life, the prize of life is this. It's not what we've done. It's not what we own. It's who we have in life. If we have good, flourishing human relationships, that is a treasure. That is treasure on earth. Well, how much more than if we have a good relationship with our God, our Father in heaven? That is the treasure in heaven. That's the ultimate achievement. But, come on, none of us are that naive. Human relationships are almost impossible to pull off. We all know two good friends who will flat together or go to Europe together and never talk to each other ever again. We all know friends who set up a business together and then they're talking through lawyers. We all know lovers who fall in love only to fall out of love. Relationships are almost impossible to sustain and maintain. So how can we even have a relationship with God our Father in heaven? And Jesus says, Jesus looked at them and said, you know what, you're right. With men this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. If we want rich, flourishing relationships, yes, you're right. Very hard at our level, but God can achieve it for us. In a job interview, the whole thing in a job interview is to brag about yourself. Brag about how amazing you are. Brag about how smart you are. Pull out your resumes. Pull out your qualifications. Brag about your HSC mark and how high it was. But relationships don't work like job interviews. When you're dating, guys, you do not brag about how smart you are. Guys, do not bring up your HSC mark. That is a deal breaker for her. Instead, the key to a good date night is brag about her. Brag about her achievements. Brag about how smart she is. Brag about where she's travelled. Brag about how funny she is. And that's the key to a relationship with God our Father. We don't have to brag about our achievements. We can't before him. Instead, we brag about his achievements. Can we depend on his achievements? Can we let his achievements determine who we are and just be a nobody in front of him? And if we can do that, that sets us free to enjoy our achievements just for what they are. A good gift from a good God to enjoy. But don't make more of them what they have to be. Don't make less of them. Just enjoy them in a good, rich, flourishing relationship with God our Father. So what would Jesus say to the high achiever? He would say this, achievements are good. They're a good gift from a good God to enjoy, but by themselves, they can leave us empty. By themselves, they might trap us. So can we walk away from them and stand before God as a nobody and brag and depend upon his achievements and enjoy the ultimate achievement, and that's treasure in heaven, a relationship with God our Father. This is my family. This is my wife, Stephanie. We've been married for over 20 years. We have three young boys. And as a daddy, I have this little ritual going for a while where on a Saturday, I'll take one of them out for a daddy date. And the daddy date will go like this. We'll go to a park 
and we'll play. Then we go to a cafe for breakfast and then I would take them to a toy shop and buy any toy they wanted. It started off all right, but after a while, the meaning of Daddy Day changed because my boys would come up to me and say, Hey, Dad, 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 when's my next Daddy Day? Because I want you to buy me this. Dad, 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 for my next Daddy Day, can you buy me this? Dad, 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 oh, I can't wait till the next Daddy Day because I really want you to buy me this. And I had to go, whoa, 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 time out, time out, whoa. I think you've got the meaning of Daddy Date wrong. You're try- you think it's all about the toy, what you can get from me. And it's the same with life and our relationship with God, our Father in heaven. Bit by bit, the meaning of life morphs. And it becomes not just what we can get out of him, but it's all about the toys and the trophies and the awards, when really it's about enjoying a rich relationship with our Father in heaven. Yes, so the question was, the rich young man that we read about just now, what do we think happens to him a couple of years down the track? Like, uh, often that's how life works. Uh, Jesus plants a little word in us and it just, we feed on it. Someone says it's like a lolly. You know, you, you, you just roll around in your mouth. Maybe it just rolls around in our heart. It incubates was your word. And who knows what may have happened. Maybe he was able to walk away and from his wealth, his lifestyle, and follow Jesus. And I guess we don't know. There's a delicious ambiguity to it, and that's what I love about the Bible. There's often a lot of ambiguity. But we see with Nicodemus, who met Jesus in John chapter 3, and what we're going to find is everyone in the Bible, we have all these people meet Jesus, and everyone, each person is different. And they all have a particular thing that's holding them back from following Jesus. And so... Zacchaeus, who was rich, when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus, Jesus doesn't say, sell everything, have gift to the poor, come follow me. Instead, he says to Zacchaeus, come down, welcome me in your house. Like, can you be prepared to publicly welcome me in front of your friends and family? And that was the barrier holding him back, maybe. And so he didn't have to leave everything. But for the rich young man, that was his problem. And Jesus meets another person, Nicodemus, a theologian, a Bible college professor who obviously had a problem with his interpretation of the Bible. And Jesus says, well, you need to be born again. And, and Nicodemus goes, whoa, wait, wait up, what do you mean born again? So he didn't quite get what Jesus was saying either. But later in the Bible, we find Nicodemus follow, as a follower of Jesus. So it took him a little while. So who knows? Maybe, maybe he was able to walk away. And What's stunning about this story, someone brought this out to me, two things are stunning in this story. One thing was the man walked away sad. Apparently he's the only person who walks away from Jesus sad. He's devastated. He, he couldn't do it. Like He's quite destroyed that he wasn't able to do it. And also Jesus looked at him and loved him. So whatever we might think of Jesus' advice to sell everything he had, give to the poor, it was actually a loving intervention by Jesus into that man's life. It was actually the loving thing to say for the man for where he was. Yeah, the question was, uh, the rich person calls Jesus good teacher, and Jesus says, hey, why do you call me good? And I think Jesus is playing around a little bit, and we often see this um, joyful, playful banter that Jesus has with, with people. Um, that was just his style. Maybe it was the rabbinic style where you always throw a question back. But what might Jesus have been trying to bring out? Uh, two things, maybe. Because he, he says, only God is good. 
And there's a little double meaning there because we, the reader, know Jesus really is God, so it's quite an appropriate thing to call Jesus. But I think Jesus is also trying to show the man, hey, maybe you aren't as good as you think you are because the man thinks he's kept all the commandments ever since he was a boy. I think Jesus is already pushing back a little bit. Hey, I don't think you're as good as you are because no one can keep all the commandments. And as we know, Jesus also left out the commandment, you shall not cover, you shall not have idols, and that was obviously one of the man's problems. He, he, he had idols, he had treasures that he couldn't let go of. Yeah, why would I want a relationship with God? I'm doing fine without it. Um, because without God, we're just atoms and molecules. Without God, we're just another species of life on this planet. Without God, we're just a blip on the timeline of the universe. And yet we somehow sense we're something more. Well, what is that something more? Aristotle, 2,300 years ago, said, if we're just animals, you know, if we're just another species of life on this planet, all we need in life is food and sex, food and sex, food and sex. Yet somehow we all sense, no, I need something more than just food and sex. That is just baseline meaning. I need what Aristotle called transcendent meaning. Like, who am I? Where am I going? Why am I here? And until I can fulfill that part of my life, I'm left without that rich fulfillment in life. I think we can get by for a little while on paying the bills, eating, drinking, working, sleeping. But after all, we sense there must be something more. Who am I? Where am I going? Why am I here? And with God, we can answer those questions. And with God, we can have fulfillment. Because then we realize, oh, that's why I work. Oh, that's why... I have friends. That's why I raise children. We're part of God's bigger story, and we're not just a blip in the timeline of the universe anymore. And I think that's what eternal life means. Uh, at a thin level, eternal life just means, well, now I live forever in heaven. But we even see in this story, Jesus talks about how it begins now and the age to come. So it's a rich, fulfilled life, eternal life. I call it a fulfilled, fulfilled life. Oh, well, I said the question, in case you didn't hear, was, uh, so it, what's the point of achievements then? Is following Jesus antithetical to achievements? Well, no, because for this man it was a problem, but for everyone else it wasn't. So Zacchaeus, Jesus, and Jesus followers still had their fishing boats and their nets, so they're still working as fishermen. So the way I see it is good achievements a good gift from a good God to enjoy. So don't over-function by making them our status identity and security, which is what this man had done. But don't under-function. They're a good gift from a good God to enjoy. They open up opportunities, their way of blessing the people around us. Uh, so just by being in Australia, just think of the opportunities we have, the access to health and education that we have here. We wouldn't want to waste this. This is a good gift from a good God to enjoy. You know that feeling when um, someone gives you like a $100 gift card? And then a year later, find out you didn't spend it and you let it expire. Oh, and you feel like, imagine if you told the person, oh, remember that $100 gift card you gave me? I didn't spend it, I let it expire. They would be, oh, it's very disrespectful, isn't it? And it's the same with achievements that God gives us. If we under-function, it would be like quite disrespectful of the opportunities God has given us. But then we don't have to make them our identity, status, and meaning because God has that for us. And that's a blessing because now we're free to enjoy them for what they are. We're not trapped by them and we won't destroy them and they won't destroy us either. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. 
For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.